0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in ladies and gentlemen to another edition of the go 24 seven podcast. I'm Billy Embody. Wish we were coming to you guys with a happy Monday, but after LSU's 45 41 loss to Missouri over the weekend, there is not much uh, happiness to be spread on this Monday but uh, we just got done talking with Ed Ogeron, and I'll bring in Shay Dixon now with me to kind of break down some of the things that Ed Ogeron said, and we'll also look back a little bit on the Missouri game and, and share really probably what went wrong and if there were any positives to, to take away from it, which there were. And we'll do that now. And Shay, uh, we just got done with Ed, with Ed with Ed Ogeron. A uh, little tongue tongue twister there, I guess. But he told us you know one put it on the coaches which is very typical after a loss which until this year hadn't happened in quite some long quite some time but he said put it on the coaches we've got to simplify things we've got to get our best players in the best positions and quite frankly got to get players in position to make plays anyway but my biggest takeaway was was that middle part getting your best players in the best position to make plays
1: yeah i mean he he certainly the theme of the 30 minutes with him was, you know, it, it starts with me or it starts with the coaches. Um, and I even asked him about what, 2017 when they lost to Mississippi state very early in the season, with 30 points, and then, uh, lost at home to Troy and then rebounded that next week and went to Florida and won and, and then obviously put on uh, a little bit of a run there, lost to Alabama at that point. Um, but he said it's more this time around on the coaches and, a large part of that was defensively. Now, he did talk about Insminger and Linehan, um on goal line, red zone, and 0 for 10 on third downs, uh, and obviously not being able to punch it in from the one, and And he sort of said no excuses there, but I'm with you. I thought that's the stuff you expected to hear, the the stuff that maybe that stood out. He A number of his quotes were uh, things like, I don't care if we have to play one defense all game, learn how to play it and do it, uh, and that tells me that uh, there's an obvious miscommunication between what Pelini's trying to install and teach and, and execute, and then what we're actually seeing from the players, uh, how much they can get that cleaned up in in a week will be interesting to see, given they play one of the best passing teams and best offenses in college football on Saturday in Florida. Uh, and then the other is what you said, personnel changes. And people have said, hey, why is this guy not in right now? Why is Eric, Eric Gilbert not playing um, as much in the second half? And he might have been a little banged up. But was still going in at times, Um, you know, are you going to ride John Emery? Uh, Why are certain guys not getting a chance to show what they can do on defense when other guys are clearly not getting the job done? And he said, look, I'm not going to name names, but we're going through personnel changes this week, and we'll see how it works out for uh, in terms of fleshing out for uh, who's in the starting rotation or or who's in the starting group or or who's in that rotation come Saturday. But I did think that was probably – I'm with you. One of the bigger things is that – some guys are about to get moved onto the bench and some other guys are going to
0: get a chance to play. And I think with that loss, the the worst thing, you know, out of it all is we kind of move into the good, the bad, the ugly from that game. Because, I mean, defensively, we can talk all day about the ugliness of it. But the it was the – and for those who don't know, I was at the Duncanville IMG game. So I kind of emerged from this high school football, you know, watching prospects uh, cave, so to speak. I was following the game on my phone. But gosh, uh, those early games were uh, quite something, and uh, I was pretty happy that I I didn't have to watch that LSU defense. But I did get a chance to watch the game uh, Sunday morning and and rewatched it or watched it for the first time. And I mean, the busts and the the just total. um, I mean, they just certain plays. They just the defense looked like there was just they had no clue and they had no answer for a redshirt freshman quarterback making his first start on the road, or excuse me, at home, uh, of course, but completed 82% of his passes, second best in Missouri history. So think about Drew Locke and Chase Daniel and all those guys, second best mark in school history uh, overall, just behind a 90% that Chase Daniel had uh, against Southwest Missouri. So think about that, just having a redshirt freshman set a, a program record basically against a ranked opponent at the time uh, with his 82%, and he made it look easy. And I think let's start with the good, though, I think, which we can spend time on, and that's Miles Brennan. After what was an up-and-down first start against Mississippi State, uh, he's really kind of settled in well, uh, albeit against you know two teams that should be in the bottom part of the SEC when it's all said and done. Uh, but overall, I mean, Miles Brennan looks like he's much more comfortable after his wake-up call with the, the first start.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you look at that first game, and he still threw for 300-something yards and and had a solid outing. Um, But now he's top five in the country in passing yards and yards per game, obviously passing yards for teams that have played three games. Some have played five. But, uh, what, top 10, 15 in quarterback rating, uh, top two in the country in touchdowns thrown, uh, which also puts him top two in the SEC. He and Kyle Trask are the only guys to have gone over Uh, double-digit touchdown passes through three games. So for all the freaking out that everyone did in week one, if he just doesn't look patient, he'll never be able to get it. Like that obviously couldn't be further from the truth. Like he turned it around in a week, one week, and looked patient, looked comfortable, Uh, and now is stepping into the pocket and delivering throws. And uh, a couple of his throws this past weekend were absolute dimes. The one to Gilbert, the one to Marshall, uh, were right a a rope on the run. So he's looked good, and then you say, okay, well – Uh, they went over for 10 on third down and and that's something we'll talk about in the bad, but the, a lot of that doesn't fall on Brennan. It falls on being in bad situations. So I think that moving forward and you're about to be in a shootout probably with Florida and, and certainly playing uh, a lot more tough games down the stretch that miles Brennan and certainly Terrace Marshall and Eric Gilbert, but let's talk about Brennan in the passing game. It's not a worry. Like you don't have to worry at all. In fact, Everything he's done so far should have been good enough for them to be three and zero, and everyone's saying, "Oh man, look, LSU's offense is picking up right where it left off." Instead, nobody really cares about LSU's offense because the defense is bad enough to be worse than that.
0: And uh, to kind of build off of that, and um, we can pretty much put this all on the defense for sure. But you know, the offense had their missteps on on third down; they were pretty ugly, uh, you could say, as well in, in that regard. But I think finally, just to kind of cap the good on this, the special teams have been. Ter- terrific! I mean, they really have. Racing McMath forces a fumble that Quentin Skinner recovered, uh, and and that set up a touchdown. And then Zach Von Rosenberg and kate York have just been outstanding. Uh, and Zach Von Rosenberg is actually up for the Ray Guy uh, Punter of the Week award, so I think you can vote for him if, if you can uh, find that on Twitter or find that on their website. But uh, th- that group is having a strong start to the season. Avery Adkins obviously continue to do what he does on the kickoff side of things. But I mean, now <laughs> let's kind of get into the the you know the weeds here on on this defense, and uh, I think one final thought on the offense. You know the third downs uh, were pretty uh, pretty horrific, and and you can talk more about that. But I thought the goal line, the the the, the series at the goal line to end the game. I mean that was just it. It, it reminded me of, and Nick Bosa went on to you know have a you know nice senior season. But it reminded me of when Nick Brossett took the first carry of the game, and it, the game escapes me, but he fumbled it. And Ed Ogeron said, after the game, we've got to have our starting running back out there. We've got to have our, you know, our best running back out there. And it was just one of those things where you look up and, yeah, Eric Gilbert was banged up. But, you know, you have Torrey Carter out there. You know, that's not putting your best players out there. And then I thought the play calling was kind of suspect. So I, I just, that goal line sequence, LSU's red zone offense has to improve. They've got to get better in that regard um, because that's going to be the difference in, in a, you know, what could be a win versus Florida on the road. Or, you know, probably taking another loss, especially in a shootout.
1: Yeah, I mean, and look, that their third down, in, or excuse me, their um, their red zone, I guess, conversion rate this year, it's not terrible. It's trending in the wrong direction at the moment. Um, but they were three for four this past week, and it's all going to be about getting touchdowns. They were number one in the country last year in red zone efficiency, and more often, well, uh, more often than not, uh, were they scoring touchdowns and field goals. So that's going to happen. I sort of thought at the end of that game, OK, like TDP, I'm OK with him being in there. No doubt. First down, give him the ball. You get pushed back. On second down, Billy, I'll be honest, let's do it again. That's what I said. Run it again. Run it again. Right at him. Or, you know, maybe now thinking back, at it, something more creative than right at him. But you're LSU. And that's what Orgeron said. You should be able to get a push from one yard out against Missouri, who literally is down to like three or four defensive linemen at this point and already had guys out of the game and you're getting pushed around the goal line. So yeah, in retrospect, I didn't love the second down call. I guess you probably should have gone three straight passes if you had to, uh, but where those are three best passes. And you were really just trying to get it to Marshall. And that was evident at that point. Uh, and where was Gilbert and things like that? I agree with. So uh, I'm with you there. Uh, and then I'll give you my bad third downs on offense is over 10 is pitiful. I'm not even sure how that happens to be honest. And then you turn on the film and you see a little bit more of how it happens. It's, they're facing an average of about third and nine against a team like Missouri, who's running zero blitz. And essentially, you've got to get someone to beat man coverage. And when you've only got a few seconds to get that ball out, Brendan's doing it. I mean, you can say, you can look back at a handful of those plays and you said, well, <laughs> Brendan held about as long as he could. And then he got rid of it. Someone's got to get open. And that means beating man coverage. And they didn't have anyone consistently doing that beyond Marshall. And you got to get Gilbert in the game more for sure. But I think that, and I look, I'm no offensive guru. I've never sat in a, a booth and called plays before, but the common line of thinking, which Orgeron talked about this, and I'm certain Steve Insminger thinks it because they trended towards it at Vandy is run the ball in early downs then. Or if you're going to pick a pass play on first down, make it one that's high efficiency. It's getting you at least four or five yards that you're setting yourself up in a much more manageable second and third down spots, and then that conversion rate's going to get better. And and on the flip side, that could get your run game going. And, why, you know, what's up with this whole rotation? Is it going to stick forever? Okay, Curry gets to play, then Davis Price gets to play, then Emory gets to play. Well, you get to halftime, and now Emory doesn't have a carry. And a week ago, he had 100 some yards. So I think that they need to figure out third downs, no doubt, if they want to win some games. But uh, I think the solution needs to come with, uh, putting themselves in a little bit better spots for success, including building up that run game.
0: Yeah. And it is kind of funny uh, looking back, but also kind of embarrassing in the same, same sense. Eli Drinkwood's after the game. And uh, I think he said it again on Paul Feinbaum, but he said about the goal line, he said, thank God they didn't uh, try a quarterback sneak because Missouri was down three defensive linemen in this game, uh, you know, due to COVID. So uh, just, you know, one yard, it is a game of inches, but, man, I mean, you're like you said and what Ed Ogeron said, your LSU, you've got to be able to get a yard and you've got to be able to move it uh, across the goal line in that situation and go win the ball game. I mean, it, it's tough to do when teams play hard and Missouri played hard uh, all game. But like Ed Ogeron said, your LSU, you've got to be able to get that yard. Uh, let's uh, shift focus to the defense, which is pretty much all ugly. Uh, and And like we talked about earlier, guys running free, multiple busts, I mean, and and you kind of made note of this in our show notes, uh, it's happening against, you know, what, at least in the preseason, were three of the worst teams LSU will play. Yeah, or, I mean, even if you think that now,
1: after week one, you thought, oh, man, look, State, I mean, yeah, they boy, they threw it all over the yard. LSU's got some real issues, but uh, Mike Leach has things figured out in a hurry. Well, they scored two points this past weekend, and KJ Costello, who broken SEC single game passing record that Joe Burrow didn't even own, so it was a game that was better than that. Goes out and shatters it. Week one, he got benched this past weekend. They didn't score a point on offense. They had two points on a safety on defense. So State's not good. Vanderbilt, you won and you should have. They're the worst team in the SEC because Arkansas shown some real life and fight. And then you lose to Missouri, who's not good. I mean, what makes Missouri great at this point? They can't play defense. We saw that and. Yeah, they can throw the ball around the yard and they use some good motion. And those are things, though, that LSU should be able to counter uh, defensively. So, yes, uh, and I'll let you riff on the defense and, and the ugly portion of this, but my ugly is that those three teams aren't good. The only two, the two teams they've lost to, the only teams they've beaten are LSU. And I'm not sure how many more teams they're going to beat. So, this is, I think it's one of those seasons where, yeah, anybody can lose to anybody. Totally agree. LSU's already done it twice, though. That can't continue to happen when you're about to be playing games where you're not favored, which includes this weekend when they're 14-point underdogs, and they've been averaging 40-something points a game. So that just speaks to where LSU's defense is at right now. And, uh, and boy, for, for it to be going like this against those three teams, you have to figure it out because it's only going to get worse if it stays the same.
0: Yeah, and Ed Ogeron talked about it a little bit, getting some bigger guys out there on the defensive line, which I'm not so sure that's going to necessarily help. Like, there's not every issue on defense, and it seems like it's a flavor of the week type of moment, right? K.J. Costello rips them for an SEC record, like you said, in week one. Then week two, Vanderbilt goes out and they run up, you know, they they gash LSU on the ground. And then this past week, Connor red redshirt freshman, making his first start, goes for 430-some yards. Uh, and sets a uh, Mizzou record in terms of completion percentage against a ranked team at the time LSU was. So, I mean, this and you made note of this, and you're ugly after the game. Bo Pelini and the LSU defense—you can you can stick the blame on them for them not being three and zero. And quite frankly, I mean, it, it's warranted too. You know, sometimes you you can sit back and say, well, there's this and there's that, and yeah, if LSU would have gotten, you know. Two, two of ten on on third down or whatever. Maybe the game's different, but I mean the defense has been horrible. And for all the the changes that they made after that Ole Miss game, going more four man down uh, fronts against uh, you know the Texas A and M, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, and yeah, LSU had a bunch of you know, talent on that defense that is no longer out there. But this is what. Ozron wanted when Bo Pelini got hired, and I, I just feel like now, looking back at that hire, and maybe they maybe they make changes, and maybe they figure it out uh, down the stretch this season, and and as they get into the game against Florida, and then the back half of the the season. But I mean, th- there is nothing right now that would inspire me any, to say anything positive about one the defense and their chances to turn it around right now. I, I think. Some their best players are not in the best positions. Derek Stingley's now a little nicked up. At Oran said he had a little bit of a sprained ankle on the down marker uh, that kind of hampered him a little bit, but he battled through. Uh, Apu Aika didn't have a good week of practice, so that's why he didn't play. They're gonna they're supposed to see him uh, against Florida, but is he gonna make a difference? I'm not so sure. Uh, this is this defense looks lost. They don't look like they have the the guys in the right spots um they have major major issues and it doesn't get any easier you know like like we said the first three games are against teams that should be in the bottom four five uh or so in the sec and now you go on the road against florida who they've got dan mullen calling the plays and he's pretty much always had success against lsu whether it's dave aranda whether it was you know at uh, the the first year of ed ogeron's interim i mean it's uh Dan Mullen always brings it against LSU. So this, this week it's going to be a challenge for them defensively. Kyle Trask can certainly put up numbers. Kyle Pitts is going to be a matchup nightmare. And I don't, I don't know if I don't think we're going to see a defense that goes out there and is able to, to make enough changes and, and to, uh, and to have a total mindset shift where they can play well enough for LSU to beat Florida and, and, I think the positive for LSU is that offensively, they're putting up enough points to certainly have a really good shot to win the games. But defensively right now, I, I just think that – I mean, and, and Florida has their own issues losing the Texas A&M, but you know, th- this defense right now uh, is it's just not inspiring and it doesn't even look like they're all on the same page.
1: No. And uh, look, they do have some talented players for sure. I think some other guys are not looking like as good as we thought that they would be. Um, and I think that's a, a mix of that. And then just the – I do think right now it's on it's on communication and it's on the calls, the scheme. If they don't get it, then I'm with Orgeron. Then run just a couple of defenses. Right now it doesn't look like they're really running any because whatever the calls are, they aren't working. They're getting blown off the ball on the line. They're running it. Vanderbilt was gashing LSU up the middle in the run game uh, when that game was still in contention very early on. Uh, in the first half, obviously, and then you get into two games where they're just throwing the ball all over you, and look, I can look around. I'll tell you right now, I watched Alabama this weekend. They gave up, uh, to Missouri, they gave up 250 yards. Well, in week two, they play A&M, they gave up 330 yards through the air. Then they play Ole Miss, who chunked them for 268 on the ground, throws for nearly 400 on them. They found ways to win. Uh, They buckled in, and I will, I guess my greater point of this would be that even a team like Alabama's giving up historically bad numbers on defense right now. They don't have dudes running just wide open on them. Multiple times a game. LSU does. And they're still getting beat in some man spots where the coverage is there, but there are, I mean, you can start to count them up on your hands and get past your first hand of how many times guys for explosive plays, which is what you sort of measure these offenses by and what they're able to do. Guys are just wide open. And I don't know how that happens if it's not in the calls and in the communications, so can you clean that up in a week? We'll see, um, but it's going to have to be because if not, Florida will have no trouble running up and down the field on LSU because they put up the exact same type of numbers on offense that LSU does.
0: Yeah, it's it's going to be uh, quite quite the storyline this weekend uh, as LSU will travel to Gainesville and and try to put together a, a defensive scheme that can you know quite frankly stop one of the better quarterbacks in the country and Kyle Trask and. Um, They'll have a they'll have a chance to. This is one of those moments where, and we've kind of you talked about this a lot on the on the call, uh, and other other people brought it up as well. You know, is this is this like after the loss to Troy? Can they rally the troops and go on the road at Florida and come away with a win? And I think we're going to find out a ton about both teams this weekend because Florida was this was supposed to be their kind of year to, especially with the way Georgia's you know quarterback situation had panned out. Heading into it, a lot of people were picking Florida to win the East. Now their game, their game out with that loss to Texas A and M for sure. Uh, and Georgia's quarterback situation looks settled for the most part. So, one, I, I think this is—I think this is probably like the biggest game you know in the country. And I know Georgia plays Alabama, but I think there are so many question marks around both of these teams now. And LSU's pretty much like they're on life support in terms of their hopes in, in the SEC. But if LSU goes on the road and gets a win at Florida, that'll say a lot about the potential for the back half of this season for LSU. And we're going to find out about it uh, at 2.30 Central on ESPN uh, this weekend. And we'll cover a little bit more about the Florida game, kind of looking ahead, what's what's next and how LSU can find the blueprint to go on the road and beat the Gators. On the other side is break from the Go 24-7 podcast. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the Go 24-7 podcast. Maybe wait a few days before reviewing us. Maybe you'll be a little bit nicer, be in a better mood as uh, LSU Florida Weeks here. You can kind of start looking ahead to that game, which, quite honestly, after Texas A&M beat Florida uh, in in a big surprise. I mean, I I said it before this year. I think this is, you know, supposedly the year Texas A&M has to prove it. I think Florida is one of those teams that has been around in the SEC race enough under different coaches to, to kind of, you know, be relied upon as one of the better teams for the most part in the league. Uh, but Texas A&M beating Florida, that was a big win for Jimbo Fisher, uh, certainly one that he can hang his hat on. But now LSU and Florida both looking for answers heading into this one and kind of a surprise, in my opinion, that, that Texas A&M beat Florida. And, Jay, I think as LSU now prepares for this, what is your – big thing that Florida has to, or LSU, excuse me, has to do to beat Florida uh, uh, this week?
1: Well, play defense would probably be a start, but uh, I think that for me, the most important thing might be running the football. And you look at, there's been Florida LSU games in the past. I get it. Both of them have new offenses. They want to do different things, but For as much as LSU needs to win this game, for the reasons you said, Florida does. I mean, a week ago, we were talking about them like a top-three team. They're going to make a run at a potential national championship, and then they lose to a team they shouldn't be losing to, NANM. And then you can't lose to LSU, right? It's um, Look, LSU's one and two. They're one of the worst teams in the SEC. No way you can lose to them. And if you do, you're at 500 or you know, right around – yeah, 500 uh, after four games when we thought that you were a top-three team. So – I think both these teams could come out with not nerves, but like a little bit of has. Like nobody wants to make the first mistake, and I think that in a way we'll still see Trask and Brendan air it out, and and we could see him grab some picks and everything. But LSU needs to come out and run the football, and that a establishes your run. B gets a couple of certainly can get Emory's the ball in Emory's hands, a guy who can be a playmaker for you. Davis Price is averaging a fine yards per carry, and I think he would be the other guy that you would have you know rely on him and then emory uh, can certainly break the game wide open for you and then it also will keep your defense on the sidelines longer i mean if you're going three and out or if you're scoring in 45 seconds by throwing the football yes you got seven points here they come again here comes missouri here comes mississippi state that'll be this weekend here comes florida so they need to extend time of possession by a bit if they can without risking you know not scoring or getting out of the flow of the offense um but running the Football number one for me. John emory needs to have many more than t- zero touches in the first half and two in the whole game. And they need to just establish early and downs that they're going to run the football, and then do it creatively. Do it however you want, but uh, get don't just run it up the middle. Get the guys to the edges. Run a, re- a reverse. Run a jet sweep. Find a way to spread the defense out a bit. Then you can gash them. But they've got to run the football. So number one for me, you're playing a team like Florida that can do what you can do on offense in terms of putting up points in bunches, slow them down, especially with the defense LSU's got going. So number one for me, I want to see LSU. I want to see the first play of the game be a run. And then I want to see a lot more after that.
0: The big thing for me is looking at LSU's third downs. I think that is, I think Ed Ogeron through his time at LSU has always relied on looking at certain situations in situational football and improving them, and being really strong in them. I mean, for the most part, over his his tenure as head coach. And third downs and finishing in the red zone have always been one, two of those things that they really like to focus on and be good at. Third downs against Florida are going to be critical. They've got to continue to, they've got to pick them up, first of all. Let's they could just start with one third down conversion on offense and build off of that. That would be the start that LSU needs. And then getting off the field on third down as well is, is going to be critical. Uh, Kyle Trask in, in this Florida offense, they've got to get them in third and longs and set them up for failure on third downs and get off the field. And, and that would just be, a, again, a starting point, a jumping off point for the defense uh, and, and something that they could build off of. And then I, I know I've kind of jumped around to a couple different things now, I guess. So I've got a few things they need to do, but uh, winning the turnover battle. And, and I know they're plus six on the year and they're one and two as a football team, but eventually that will break through and that'll help you win a football game. So I, I think, um, you know, third downs and, and, and forcing some turnovers and that'll kind of be the things that I want to see from LSU this week. Uh, Ingram, Ed Ingram could very well be back at, at left guard, which is a positive for LSU. Apu Aika could see some more time on on the defensive tackle front in terms of the rotation, and uh, who knows? Uh, hopefully Derek Stingley is a little bit uh, you know better in terms of his sprained ankle. Miles Brennan was a little sore uh, on Monday at Ogeron, told us, and he's not going to practice, but uh, there's a lot of a lot of things for them to clean up, uh, and it, it's Florida week, and they're going to be dialed in, I feel like, and I, I'm not ready to predict a win just yet. I, I want to see kind of how the week unfolds, what the players kind of say on Tuesday when we talk with them, but. Um, you know I, I think everybody knows what needs to be fixed and it starts with the defense and then there are other things to correct uh, on offense situationally I think that they need to get corrected and and if they do they'll have a good shot to take a win uh, in the swamp
1: it'll be interesting to see I think with this silly season is as, as this has been already and was in the offseason and, and will likely continue to be is that Kyle Pitts and Miles Brennan are leading the SEC in every stat category and passing. You can imagine these two teams are sitting in the top ten nationally in every uh, offensive category you could imagine, and and neither of them can play defense, and we're going to come out here to a 17-14 game or something like that. So it's too early for predictions, but that's what my gut tells me, is that every week we seem to be shocked by something, and and that could be the shocker this week is that uh, two teams that – Put up a ton of points and don't play defense. All of a sudden, are in uh, this grinded out, more old school SEC affair.
0: I hope not. I hope it gets up into the forty point <laughs> mark. I, I like I like scoring points. I like seeing points scored. I think you can. Uh, it, it, it's it's interesting. Defenses in college football nowadays. I mean, it, the the stopping of explosive plays, and that that's the thing that I think was the worst part about that game against Missouri and, and it's plagued LSU a good bit this year is, is stopping the explosive plays. And if they can get that corrected, you know, that is again, kind of a jumping off point where you're not having busts you're maybe on the, on the same page you're communicating better. Uh, and maybe that's how uh, we do see LSU and Florida get into a lower scoring affair. Like, like you said, Shay.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm already ready for it. I think everybody's, uh, Everybody's ready to just flush these first uh, couple losses and and see uh, if they can get any better this weekend. But, boy, it'll be an interesting week around football ops. Orgeron already said that on Sunday they had Polini meetings, Inzinger meetings, Jacoby Stevens came and met with them. The team's been, uh, you know, meeting with each other and going over things. And and it reminds me a lot of of kind of how things felt after that Troy loss, which was in 17. And, And, boy, that seems like so long ago at this point, considered that. Uh, they won 15-0 and and won a national championship last year, but uh, a little bit, I'd say a rubber meets the road point. Um, and you would say it's kind of an odd season. Um, so, you know, it's not the end of uh, the world if if they're not looking great each week, but I will say that fine. Then in this season, it's rubber meets the road because you go to Florida where you're a 14 point dog and, and you're not able to win. You're sitting at one in three on the year and still got to play Auburn and and Bama and AM and teams like that. So, uh almost uh and why not call it that, a must win uh, this weekend for the Tigers.
0: 100% must win for LSU this weekend against Florida. We'll be tracking it all throughout the week. Shay, uh hope you have a good rest of the week, buddy, and uh we'll talk again soon, of course, on the Go 24/7 podcast and thanks for listening to this edition, guys, and uh hope everyone was safe uh through Hurricane Delta this weekend and 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 made out okay but um with that we're going to wrap up this edition of the pod and we'll catch you later in the week with a full game preview as lSU heads of Florida looking to uh, get back to 500 uh against the gators at 230 central on ESPN we'll catch you guys then uh, have a great rest of the week